This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. We have all seen the importance given to big data, algorithms, and more in the last few years as we dive even deeper into the digital culture. But a new book says that the reliance we have on these numbers may not always be a good thing. Jerry Mueller is a professor of history at Catholic University of America. He has authored a book titled The Tyranny of Metrics, which talks about the impact that these numbers are having in a wide range of areas in our society today. And it's great to have Jerry joining us here in our studios in Philadelphia. Nice meeting you. Thank you for coming by. Good to be with you, Dan. So the the idea of delving into this came from where? It came from a confluence of my long-term interests in the history of capitalism and the history of public policy, together with some personal experiences that brought home to me this culture of metrics, and especially what I've come to think of as metric dysfunction or metric fixation. Uh, It happened to me in the first instance because in many ways this is a book about organizations and management, and for the first time in my life when I became a department chair, I was a manager. And there were many elements of that role that I liked very much and was perfectly good at, hiring new faculty, mentoring existing faculty members, and so on. And then I found at a certain point there were more and more demands placed upon us for metrics, for numbers, and for standardized forms of evaluation, like standardized forms of evaluation for our seniors, even under a new set of rubrics, even though we had a perfectly good system of, eval- of evaluation called grades. Yeah. And I was wondering where all of, this, all of these demands came from, and I sort of followed back the threads. So I found out it, it came from the university administration because it was required by the Middle States Association, which is the accrediting organization for colleges and universities in this part of the United States. And that, in turn, came from the Department of Education in the George Bush era that stressed the importance of of data, of assessment, of what they called performance outcomes. And then I traced it back further, and I found it was part of a much larger set of cultural beliefs of the necessity of measuring outcomes, making them public, and rewarding and punishing people accordingly. I was struck in the first instance by how wasteful this was, how, how, to what degree the demands for information took time away from the things we were supposed to be doing. Right. Uh, also, it demanded, as, as the demands for information increased, the university had to hire more and more people who specialized sure. in data. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it was wasteful, it was costly, and then the more I went into it, the more I discovered how dysfunctional it was in many other ways, in, in not just in colleges and universities, but in many other realms of life. Well, you, you use that term, that metric dysfunction term, right. which uh, take us into the, the meaning of that and, and its impact. Okay, so what I call metric dysfunction or metric fixation is based on several ideas put together that have come to dominate a wide range of organizations. And those, they're all ideas that sound very plausible when you first hear them, but when you put them together, often turn out to be dysfunctional. Right. So the first idea is what get, this is something you hear from business gurus all the time, uh, what gets measured gets done. Okay. Or yeah. only the things that get measured that right. get done. Right. Or in some versions, uh, 
anything that can be measured can be improved. Or in some versions, only those things that get measured can be improved. Mm -hmm. So the first notion is you got to measure everything, and that often goes together with a belief that measurement is superior to and actually makes personal judgment that's based upon experience and talent, it makes it superfluous. Right. So it's not, the, the evaluation shouldn't be on the basis of, uh, of someone who's been in the business or the organization or whatever for quite some time and knows about its nuances. You have to have standardized forms of evaluation. So that's the first idea. You've got to measure everything. And, and that measurement is much more important than judgment. The second idea is, which again sounds plausible when you first hear it, and in some cases is plausible, is uh, people respond to incentives. Sure. Right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and so the idea goes, uh, you should reward them when they hit their metric targets yeah. or surpass them, and you should punish them when they don't hit the metric targets. So that's the second idea. Uh, and then the third idea uh, is that at least in uh, non-business organizations, especially so in in universities, in hospitals, for doctors, uh, that you should engage in transparency in the sense of uh, publicizing uh, these metrics and then having public uh, uh, rankings and ratings and so on based upon these standardized performance metrics. What do you think? What do you think it is that that really then causes this fixation? Uh, or this dysfunction then, because, I mean, we are now, it feels like we are in more and more in a time where numbers matter more so than ever before. Yes. So it's a, com it's a combination of things, Dan. Part of it is a, a, a suspicion, some of which was legitimate, that people in positions of management and authority may be biased in their evaluations, yeah. and therefore you should use... Me, uh, standardized measurement as a replacement for that. Uh, and standardized measurement can be useful as a check on bias, but the problem is when you try to use standardized measurement as a replacement for judgment based upon experience. So that's one notion, to, one, one cause to try to eliminate judgment. Secondly, there was the notion, uh, again, that had an element of truth, though it was exaggerated, that public organizations, uh, government organizations, and so on, uh, were engaged in uh, sort of feather bedding or in trying to uh, work in such a way as to support their employees and not their clients and customers. And the idea was that schools did this too, and there was a lack of professionalism. Right. And so if you would only measure what teachers did and then incentivize them to do better and publicize what they did, that would improve educational outcomes hasn't happened in the least, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that was the second cause. The third one is one that does uh, perhaps a bit tricky to talk about here at Wharton, uh, and that <laughs> is a kind of ideology of managerialism that says that management is not so much based on particular knowledge of your field or particular knowledge of your organization, that it's a set of standardized tools that can be applied to any organization because all organizations are fundamentally the same. Right. And so the tools are often metric tools. So you go in, you try to find out what the data is, and then you set up your 
uh, system of monitoring the employees and you set up your system of rewarding the employees and that's the essence of management. And so if you have these managerial tools, you can move from one company to another, you can move from one sector to another from being, say, the head of a corporation to being the head of a university yeah. or the head of a corporation to being the head of the Department of State. And you can use the same tools because it's all a matter of, of technique. But why, why then doesn't that happen more often? I mean, we see it from time to time. You gave the example of going from uh, the business world into education as a head of a, of a division. That may happen from time to time, yeah. but it really doesn't happen very often. Uh, well, it happens quite often uh, between, organi uh, between organizations in the same field. Okay. So you go from being the president of one university to the president of another. Right. Exactly, or, yeah. what, or a corporation that makes X. Into, uh, you go to being the head of a corporation that does something entirely different, uh, of which you have no particular experience, but the notion is you know how to manage a business and you know how to deal with the metrics. Right. So those are those are some of the stimuli for it, and also uh, the rise of the rise of IT uh, of information technology makes it seem like the information is easier to gather, and to some degree. It is easier to gather. Yeah. And then there's a kind of whole hype and aura around data uh, and the notion that data is the answer to every question. And what you have to do is go out and get more and more data. And yeah. then, then you'll come up with the relevant questions. Yeah. And there's also a tendency to ignore the fact that there's actually a big difference between information and data. Data is some kind, something that's been standardized in a way that eliminates a lot of the context and nuance about the kind of knowledge in question. So the notion that you can reduce all information or knowledge to data is another sort of uh, cultural, uh, cultural meme, cultural fashion. Right. So everybody feels this culturally induced pressure. And when I say culturally induced, sometimes it comes from the board of directors yeah. or the board of trustees of a university or the or f are often from politicians who believe this stuff yeah. and say, well, the, you know, the kind of silver bullet to solving the problems of one or another public agency, be it uh, college graduation rates or achievement gaps in K-12 education or whatever, the silver bullet is this combination of measurement, rewarded performance, and transparency. So what, what has really happened then with the, the old philosophy of, of judgment? Because the idea of the gut feeling mm -hmm. has basically been, in many cases, shoved aside because of the data that's available these days. Right, right. So, you know, there, there's an attack on judgment, first of all, from this notion of data, and then you have, the, then you have certain kinds of um, social scientists like Tversky and Kahneman and so on who have pointed out the role of biases and so on in the way in which we make evaluations. Yeah. All of this has mitigated against uh, the role of judgment based upon professional knowledge and based upon experience and based upon talent. So people who have those characteristics are constantly being second-guessed by masters of metrics and performance. And if you want, I'll explain some of the typical dysfunctions of metrics. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, because what yeah. really happens when you when you have a situation when metrics kind of overtake judgment? Yeah. So so several things happen 
uh, that are that are characteristic of this kind of combination of metrics, performance, and accountability. The first thing that might happen, and it often does happen, is that which gets rewarded, that which becomes measured and gets rewarded is what people focus on. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, in many kinds of jobs and many kinds of organizations, there are many roles and many functions that each person plays. Yeah. Uh, so if a doctor is, is told that he's going to be uh, measured and judged and remunerated based on looking for diseases X, Y, and Z, he may very well do so overlooking symptoms of diseases A, B, and C. Right, yeah. Right? That, yeah. That, actually, that sort of thing actually happens. In other words, people do focus on what gets measured or to take a, a much more pervasive case. Uh, a lot of K-12 to education in the last 20 years has been uh, transformed in a negative way by the focus on standardized tests that are publicized and then uh, rewarded or punished. So that a lot of uh, education, in, uh, especially in K-8 to education, uh, gets focused not so much on understanding English and understanding math, but on knowing how to take a test of English yeah. and a test of math, which just tests the small range of the skills that are actually in question. Plus, it, it drives out time spent on all kinds of other activities that are actually important for kids' intellectual development, like art or music or even play. So the first danger is that people will actually do that one thing or the one or two things that get measured and rewarded at the expense of other things. Related to that is the fact that in many organizations and in many jobs, there are many elements of it that are simply unmeasurable but are no less important. So huh. the role of mentoring new employees or existing yeah. more junior employees, the role of cooperating with other people, uh, coming up with innovations uh, or new ideas, uh, getting along with clients and customers, all of that is difficult to metricize and hence difficult to reward or punish. And so one, so one, so the first problem is people will do the things that are uh, measured and rewarded. Yeah. The second kind of problem uh, is the whole range of what we call gaming the metrics. That is to say, trying to uh, achieve the metrics uh, because rewards and punishment are attached to it, but achieving them in a way that is at odds with the larger purpose of the organization. So to take a, to take a, a couple of examples of, of this gaming. One of the typical ways of gaming is, uh, is what we sometimes call uh, creaming or hmm. uh, cherry picking. Okay. So for example, when surgeons in various states in the United States started to uh, be rewarded and punished in, on the basis of surgical report cards, these were report cards that indicated their degree of su success and failure in performing some procedure like a, a, a knee replacement or something right. like that, right? So. These were to be made public, and the idea was other people would see them, and your reputation would depend on how, how well you did on this metric. So how did some surgeons react? And this included not just knee surgeons, but, say, heart surgeons. They stopped operating on 
more difficult and complex patients, patients who had comorbidities, other things that were wrong with them that was likely to increase the possibility of failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was good. So the, the surgeon operated on, uh, uh, operated on the people who were most likely to be successful. He would have a high metric rating, would be good for his reputation. The only pe- people that would suffer were the sick people who didn't get operated on yeah. and who might die as a result. There are less drastic versions of this kind of gaming, but it goes on all the time. Say, in um, the na- there's a famous case of the National Health Service in England where this kind of pay-for-performance and so on has been dominant for a long time. Uh, at one point, they were very concerned about wait times coming into emergency rooms, and they told hospitals that they were going to punish them if the wait time was more than four hours. So what did some of the hospitals do? Uh, When there were patients coming in uh, and it would take more than four hours to process them, they instructed the ambulances in which the patients were traveling to continue circling around the hospital (laughs) until they could be admitted uh, within four hours, which which sounds funny, but then you got to, but you have to remember there were other people waiting at home for those ambulances who weren't getting picked up. So again, the hospital met the metric uh, looked very good in terms of their performance, but the, at the expense of the larger purpose. It sounds a little bit like the, the, the old problems that we've seen around the airline industry for a long period of time of, uh, of on-time arrivals and, and people waiting on planes longer than they probably should mm-hmm. to either be able to get into the, into, the, uh, into the gate or leaving from the gate. Yes, that's one of the easier kinds of metrics to gain, but yes, they've been... They've been very good at it. We are joined by uh, Jerry Mueller, who is a professor at Catholic University of uh, America. Uh-huh. He has authored the book, The Tyranny of Metrics. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So then when you think of the overall arching use uh, of metrics these days, what is it that that not necessarily worries you, concerns you about the reliance on the use of metrics as a society that we have right now and seemingly are going to continue to have moving forward. Right. So we have a lot of measurement now. We're going to have more measurement in the future. Measurement can be and often is genuinely useful. It depends, though, to what degree it is combined with judgment. Because if you if, if you have measures that are developed by people who are who don't have uh, experience and expertise in the actual activity that's being measured, then they're often going to measure the wrong thing. Or they're going to measure what's most easily measurable, which may not be the most relevant thing. Uh, And uh, some of the other negative effects of this kind of metric fixation, which is to say the misuse of, not the use of metrics, but the misuse of metrics, is that it can often lead to uh, demotivation in the workplace, huh. especially if if you're in a if you're in a a, a a vocation of some sort where intrinsic motivation is really important, where you're doing the work either because it's because uh, it's intellectually interesting to you or because you're really on board with the mission of the university. So if you're a nurse or a doctor, you want people to heal. If sure. you're a teacher, you want them to learn and so on. So if what gets measured and rewarded is in keeping with those professional goals, then 
measurement and even measurement cu coupled with reward can can work because the people involved really believe that they ought to be measured and rewarded sure. on that. Yeah. But if they're being measured and rewarded on things that they think are unimportant or that they think are counterproductive uh, and they see that it's either taking up a lot of their time or it's leading them to engage in these kinds of uh, gaming activities that aren't really in keeping with why they're there, that can be really demotivating at work. Are you worried that, that there is becoming now or will become in the future too much of a reliance on the data, on the metrics, and that that will have that negative impact of motivation to a degree, whether it be the mid-level manager maybe higher up the chain a little bit, and that will just that will compound the ability of a business to be successful. Oh, absolutely. And, and, it, and it depends a lot on, on the sort of metrics. For example, in, in a lot of uh, publicly traded corporations, the emphasis on uh, quarterly profits and on sure. projections yeah. of what's going to happen in the next quarter often leads to this kind of uh, metric gaming activity, where uh, instead on of Wall Street specifically, uh, Wall Street too, yes, yes, but in any company where uh, there's a, it leads to short termism. Yeah. So instead of investing money in R and D or in new equipment or in making your staff uh, increasing the human capital of your staff, you're focused on that quarterly bottom line. Uh, perhaps because it's the remuneration of top executives is attached to that quarterly, uh, those quarterly profits. Uh, and all of that then is dysfunctional for those businesses. Sure. Yeah. And in fact, one of the people who's been most articulate about this is Larry Fink, the head of BlackRock. Oh, yeah. Says yeah. that this is pervasive. Short-termism is pervasive. And the link I'm making is between short-termism and this kind of metric fixation. The, the time has flown by. We, I wish we could keep you longer. We're unfortunately at the end of our show. Thank you very much for coming in. It's a pleasure meeting you. And, and thank you for coming to campus today. My pleasure. Thank you. The book, again, is The Tyranny of Metrics by Jerry Mueller. It's a fantastic, it's a very interesting book for you to pick up. It's available in bookstores and online for you to pick up uh, right now. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.